If you will, open up your Bibles to John 10.10. Today I want to talk about temptation. You know, temptation comes to everybody. It's important to know. Temptation doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Temptation may come because you're doing something right. That would have been a good time if anybody was going to say amen, it would have been them. Because, you know, a lot of times when people get tempted, they go like this, what am I doing wrong, Lord? That's, a lot of times, that's the first thing people ask. What am I doing wrong, Lord? I don't think that should always be the first thing you should ask. Because I guarantee you this, the Bible said Jesus was tempted in all points, like you and I are, yet he never sinned, so he could never say, man, I'm tempted right now, because he was tempted at different times. He could never say and say it, uh, in truth, what am I doing wrong? He could never say that. But why is it that when we get tempted that many times people, the first thing they say is, what am I doing wrong? That might not be the best approach. We should recognize, hey, what am I doing right, Lord? Because there may be things you are absolutely doing right, and that might be why you're tempted. I bet you that was the reason why Jesus was tempted. Because he was doing right, and the enemy wanted to tempt him to get him out of the will of God. How many of you, when you've really been going for it with God, have found temptation come in the form of distraction to pull you away? To take a shortcut, to do something else. So we should have that kind of mentality, hey, this doesn't mean I'm out of the will of God. This may mean I'm in the middle of the will of God. Now you understand this, temptation finds its way into people and gets a hold on them when they open up to the desires of that temptation. You understand? In other words, then I start desiring and then internally what starts happening is I get drawn where I have desire. You with me? And so that's why the Bible said people, when they're tempted, are drawn away of their own desires. That's why you have to deal with your thoughts when you're in the middle of a temptation because thoughts will turn into desires. Desires will turn into, you know, different types of attitudes. Those will always start determining our direction in life. So it's real important to recognize that temptation is not always some big thing, too. You know, there's some big, you know, there's a billboard up here, temptation coming. It can be real subtle. You with me? And, and, but the end result is always the same. And that's something we need to know. But we do need to understand this. If we're going to look at temptation, the first thing we're going to need to do is know ultimately the source you know, of these things that come against us. And um, if you will, we're going to read here in John 10.10, it says this, concerning Jesus and concerning the devil. Jesus, if anybody gave us something good, it was Jesus, right? If he, if he gave us his opinion about things, those are important. Well, anything in the Bible is true, but here we got Jesus talking, and it's in red, that's because they printed it that way, so we knew it was Jesus. And then he tells you and gives you a description about him and then himself or God's way for man. Notice this. He said the thief 
who he's talking about here is the enemy, the devil. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, why does he come? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Understand this, in the garden, when the temptation came, it didn't look like it was to come to steal, to kill, and destroy. The way the enemy presented it to them was he's like, check this out. It'll make you wise like God. You're missing out. There's something really, you know, you're missing out. You know, you follow God, you do what he said, you're missing out. And that's how he comes with temptation. Many times he'll tell you, well, if you go down that path and you do that, you'll be missing out. And it can be subtle and people can miss it and not realize, you know, the Bible does tell us through his subtlety, he deceived Eve and Adam. It was real subtle. You guys are going to miss out. God doesn't want you to do this because it'll make you like him. Don't be mistaken. The goal of the enemy is ultimately to steal, to kill, and destroy. As soon as they bought into his program in Genesis, they were immediately robbed. Their lives were a mess. Their relationship with God got messed up. And there is always hope when people fail. But understand this, if you're being tempted, there is a reason to not go down that path. Remember this, the first thing you need to know is the source of temptation is always evil. Whether it is personally the devil or not him, there, you know, there is evil behind it. And we need to know the source. Because sometimes when people get tempted, they don't think, oh, this is bad. They just think, well, I have this pull to go this way. For some reason, there's pressure to go this way. I'll just go ahead and go that way. They don't look at it appropriately and go, that is evil, or the root of it and the thing behind it is evil, and the byproduct that's hidden behind the screen that's not being told, because the enemy doesn't tell you, come on, let's go do this, just just do this, because you're going to be miserable after a while. He didn't tell you that. He's more like this, go do it, go do it, come on, you're missing out. Then the minute you do it, he'll jump on your back and go, you are dumb, you're a Christian, you should have never done that. And you get all these thoughts and you're full of condemnation, you're like, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. And he's like, you're dumb. And you're like, I'm dumb, I'm stupid. And he's like, that's right, bring it on. And people just march right with him, you know, playing in his marching band, you know, going down the street. And, And they don't realize all that guilt and stuff, he tried to draw them in. They yielded, and then he'll hammer them for it. Know that that's him. Know that temptation, when it comes, the source, the enemy is behind it in some way. You know, we need to know that. We need to recognize that. Because otherwise, people come to really wrong conclusions, and they won't always stand against things when they get tempted or when trouble comes their way. I I have a friend... I, I met him years ago when I lived in California. He was, I don't know, probably seven or eight years older than me. So he's probably about 35. 
And um, okay, maybe a couple years older than that. But the fact is, uh, I, he was a business owner and owned a, a large or a commercial construction company. And uh, I would stop by his office occasionally and just walk into his office, hey, how you doing? And we'd sit there and talk for a while. And he was a Christian. He loved God. He was a great guy, really good guy. And, uh, but, you know, if work was going, you know, and they maybe had one or two projects and they were closing up, you know, and finishing up and they didn't have a new one and, or, you know, things got a little bit tight, he'd, he'd start talking like this, I, I don't know what the Lord is doing right now. You know, when bad start happening, I, I don't know what the Lord is doing right now. And uh, every now and then I'd throw something in, but you, I just, he was pretty grounded in the fact that if bad came in his life, the Lord was doing it. You know, uh, I don't know why this guy stole from me and did this stuff. You know, I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me. Absolutely nothing. I mean, he's not sending people to steal from you to teach you something. He can just, you know, to be honest with you, it may surprise some people, but if the Lord wants to teach you something, he could like just teach you something. Like seriously, he, he you know, he could do that. That's, I know it sounds like a major miracle, but if he wanted to teach you something or you wanted to know something, you could just ask him and then, then he'd just teach you. He wouldn't go, Oh, Lord, just teach me, you know, about uh, humility. And then your boss calls you in and fires you. Thank you, Lord. That, that wasn't the Lord. He can open up the Bible. He can teach. He teaches you through the Word, and He'll teach you that the Bible said, humble yourself. You with me? And so people start approaching problems, tests, and trials in their life and think, it's all God. Because you hear things. And I don't, there are good, good ministers that say what I'm about to say. So I don't have things against them. I just don't agree with this statement because it's clearly not in the Bible. Well, you know, the Lord's in control of everything. And, and let's just say that, Lord, uh, one thing for sure, when everything's said and done, the Lord's in control. If he's in control of everything... Then, then when you, we all leave the parking lot, but let me move my car first before I give you instructions. If the Lord is in charge of everything, you just get in your car, start it up, put it in gear, and let go of the steering wheel and just, just floor it. And just go, well, praise the Lord. The Lord's in charge of everything. Everything. That's what they said, everything. Well, it sounds foolish like that, doesn't it? I mean, it would be an awesome video. If you want to make money on YouTube, you just film that. When everybody just floors it and starts hitting each other in the parking lot. And the police come and go, what in the world's going on? Well, you know, the Lord's in charge. This was just his plan for you to come here so I could witness to you. No, dummy, you could have just sped and he could have got you one-on-one. -on -one. But people are like, I, I, it was, no, it wasn't the Lord's plan for you to speed. That was yours. For me, I kind of like it. You know, going a little fast sometimes. That, that doesn't mean it's God's plan. And God's in control. You know, I know somebody uh, was at somebody's house and they were talking to the person. They had turned on their, their kitchen sink and put a drain plug in. And it was a single one. 
And uh, they came back and started talking. They didn't realize the thing was running. It's running out into the kitchen now, onto the floor. And they said, and then they said, man, the devil. <laughs> no, not God, not the devil, you. <laughs> Just you. But we need to know when those external pressures are coming to drive you a certain way and do certain things, we can know that the enemy's behind those things. And we need to realize that. And if we don't, then we wouldn't resist. Why? Because, you know, God may be trying to teach us something in this. And if you have that mentality, you won't go stop. So we need to know the source is the enemy. When troubles come, when, when things... Now, you can allow him into your life by doing dumb stuff and not working hard and doing different things. But I'll tell you what. We need to know when unseen forces are working, we have a place where we can stand against those things. The second thing we need to know is that Satan has a goal in his temptation, and it's not always presented. It's not always presented. People, people get pressured to do certain things, to go a certain path, you know, to wreck things in their life, marriage, how they are at work, you know, they can't treat you like this, you just yell at them, you know, and you get run, do this, and instead of being kind and trusting God and doing certain things a certain way, you with me? And we start yielding to things, that, and ultimately, you know, that's why God says walk in love. Doesn't he? I mean... I wasn't going to say this, but that big NFL thing, might as well throw it out there. Everybody else putting their two cents in. That should not be a distraction for us. We should walk in love, period. Period. Does that mean I agree with them? No. Does that mean I disagree with them? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I ultimately need to walk in love. You with me? And not get overly distracted with things. You know, that's, that can be a temptation of the enemy right there, to get you all tied up, get you all stirred up about stuff, even when bad stuff happens in the world. You know, back when 9-11 happened, I remember how many people sat there and watched TV for hours on end, day after day. How many times did people watch the plane go into the building again and again and again and again? and again. Or a school shooting. You only need to watch it one time. It's not edifying. You don't need to see the same clip hour after hour, day after day. What does that do? It causes a distraction. And that's not helpful. Because it's not going to change anything. Here's another one. You don't have to watch Sports Center or one of the sports programs, all the ones that come on hour, half hour, half hour, half hour to see the exact same score. You already know they won 12 times way into the night. You know what I mean? Be careful of distractions. Those in themselves can be something that would try to draw you away. But know the source, know the ultimate goal of the enemy in different things is the fact that he has a plan and he doesn't always present it up front. 
I said he doesn't always present it at front, up front. He, he usually will mask it and tell you the good side of what you're going to miss by not doing those things. But know this, that if God has ever presented something to you about your life and what you should do, he doesn't always tell you the good either. You with me? Remember Peter loaned Jesus' boat, and he said, now you launch me out, into the, out from the land, and I'm going to preach? Well, Peter had been working all night. He'd been mending his nets and working on his stuff. And then the Lord said to him, after he finished you know, spending the day hearing him preach, he said, now go let down your nets into the deep for a catch. You know, just go out there and do it. And he, he said, oh, Lord, no. And then he said, wait a minute, at your word I'll obey. He didn't know he was going to get a catch bigger than he'd ever got in all his life. He was just told to, to obey. And he had never seen one that big, and his whole boat began to sink. Then he had to call for his partners in another boat, and their boat was filled too that way. But he didn't say, you better do this like this because it's going to be so big. Understand, though, when God tells you something, it's for good and it is for big. But many times we don't just always know right up front what it is, but he'll tell you, obey, because he has told you in other areas, areas in the Bible, if you will be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But he said, if you refuse and you rebel, you'll be consumed. So he tells you right there, I'm presenting this to you, and if you'll just do it my way, but if you go the other way, it, it's not going to turn out good. You with me? What's nice about that is it's not, oh Lord, your will be done. It's he said, you obey, and this will happen. You disobey, this will happen. You get to choose. It's not all in the hand of God. He's placed it in ours. Many times how we respond, a choice. That's good to know because then I know God's not in control of everything because if I think God's in control of everybody, I can just look around and go, whatever's happening to them is God. Whatever's happening to me is God. That tells me now he has given me a choice so I can change what happens to me and he's got a plan and it's good. And so here it says this in John 10.10 as we move on. So we need to know the source. It's from the enemy. We need to know and not be deceived. Bad stuff is always behind his plan ultimately. I don't think Judas ever thought he'd hang himself. I don't think Judas ever thought, I'm going to betray the Lord to such a degree that I'm going to be so disgusted with my life, I'm going to end it. I don't think he ever thought like that. I think, you know, he had never dealt and resolved personal issues in his life that I'm sure the Lord dealt with him about because he constantly or regularly had been stealing. And he didn't think, you know, he was literally stealing from the Lord. He was. What belonged to the Lord, he was taking and keeping for himself. And there were times he'd argue, you know, hey, you know, we shouldn't do this, and right? And 
it said not that he loved the poor, but because he was stealing. He never dealt with that issue. He never dealt with that temptation. He didn't know not dealing with that temptation would ultimately lead him to a temptation that would just put him over the edge. And, and that the enemy knew, you know, because he, I mean, think about it. He's traveling with Jesus and he's stealing his money. Taking coin. You know, one for you, one for you, and one for me. And it didn't belong for him. And he was the one distributing. And, he, and then when people, you know, one time lavished a gift on Jesus, the minister, he's like, hey, that could have been given and sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, leave her, leave her alone. Didn't he? You, you got to pour all the time. You can do that anytime you want to. Leave it alone. And there's a big lot of thought in that that you could take from that. But the fact of the matter is, he, his motives and the motives behind were not stop blessing Jesus. It was more selfishness and wouldn't deal with the stealing, wouldn't deal with the stealing, wouldn't deal with the stealing, wouldn't deal with the stealing. And then one day, he, in wanting extra money and stuff like that, one day he was presented with an opportunity and they said, we'll give you some money. And he had just been yielding to that day after day. You know, people talk about, well, his grace is grace and his grace is wonderful and his mercy is wonderful. But he just kept giving way, and then one day there was a presentation of getting some more, and uh, sure enough, he was weakened. He was, had been training himself, allowing himself to go that way, and allowing himself. And then when the day came, he said, hey, we'll give you this many pieces of silver. And he thought, that's a good idea. And that dude's in hell. He probably was used to knowing how merciful Jesus was and how good he was. Maybe he thought, well, I can have mercy later, but he killed himself before he could get the mercy. And, and the Bible tells us it would have been better that he would not have been born. Of course, because you would never want somebody born and then end up there. And, uh, but there are many people who have sold things and did different things and ended up in heaven. It's not what I'm saying, but he never would deal with the temptation that was coming. He never stood up against it and said no. And it ultimately cost him more than he probably wanted to pay. I guarantee you more than he wanted to pay. And so we need to understand this. Whenever the Lord deals with us and whenever the Lord's working in your life, he's got a plan of good and a, God, uh, and a, a plan of victory for you. He does period, you know, and he presents his plan and he'll ask for obedience and maybe not always telling you the big picture, but the fact of the matter is know this, like there's bad connected to temptation and there's more there than you want. There's more there in God than you need if you'll go that way. You with me? And so we need to understand this verse tells us the thief does not come except for to steal and to kill and destroy. 
some of these words like steal actually comes from the word pickpocket. You know, it's, a, it's more of a subtle thing. You know, most people that are pickpockets, the idea is to take something without them knowing they're the one doing it. That's how the enemy introduces his thoughts to people. Think, you think you just thought that up of yourself. You just had that brilliant idea. You with me? And where it says to kill, it doesn't literally just mean Mr. Kruger or whatever his name was, you know, Mr. Friday the 13th or whoever, kill, murder. No, it literally, the kill here is to offer up like a sacrifice. See, because he ultimately can't take from you and ultimately can't kill you. But he can cause you to offer up as a sacrifice and kill things. What do you mean? You know, sacrifices to the Lord, you offer up something and, and back in the Old Testament and they would kill it. People can offer up their futures for a present bowl of beans. We see that in the Bible. They offered it up. He can't just kill your future. You got to offer it up. You got to yield to him. He couldn't just kill Adam and Eve. They had to offer up their life. They had to surrender their life. They had to give way to something. They had to make the choice, though the choice was the way it was being presented was, this is really good. But they ultimately knew what God's will was, and they offered it up themselves. It's not God who kills things like that. People have to offer it up. So when the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, it's not that he just is taking, and it's not that he's just killing, but he needs our cooperation. You with me? And so when he steals, it's because I cooperated. And when he does kill, it's because I cooperated. Thank God for God's mercy, but at the same time, I'd rather not have to have it. You with me? And so he said, the thief comes not but to uh, accept. Notice these things he put in here. You could say it like this, the thief does not come except or only. In other words, there isn't a fourth category here. So when he's there, you know that it's one of these three, three things. There isn't a, well, he, he doesn't care, he's just okay. He's just leaving you alone, he's just, he doesn't. This temptation, it, it just won't lead to any of these. No, when he comes, the, these, these are the things. He said, the thief does not come except for to kill or to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that they or people may have life. It's an interesting word because it's not something that is maybe looked at like it should. So when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, some people might say, oh, well, he's talking about a life like these guys on TV that are life coaches. And they're just going to encourage you to live a full life, a real full life. And he just wants a full life and life. This is a total different thing. This is not presented only, but 
through and in Jesus. There is no way to get this life he's talking about. This is not self-help. This word right here, and it'd been cool if they would have written it out, but it's the word Zoe. And, and every now and then you hear a cool name like Zoe. Oh, you know, my mom had a friend in, in high school, uh, was the granddaughter of Mary Woodworth Edder, who was a traveling minister, well-known, tremendous impact. And the girl didn't like her name because it was odd then, but it was Zoe. But Zoe is that word life. So really, her name was life, but it's not life like, hey, let's live life to the fullest. That's not what he was offering. He said that they may have life and that they may have it. It what? That kind of life more abundantly. What is that zoe, that Greek word? It's a Greek word. It literally means God's very own life. That's different. So when Jesus talks about having eternal life and the Bible talks about being alive, it's talking about zoe. When you receive Christ, you receive eternal life. You receive God's life in you. You pass from death unto life. God wants you to experience his life in you. And he said, the enemy wants you to experience this. I've come that you might experience this. And I don't want you just to have a little dab will not do you. I want you to have it abundantly. So you got to know this, if it's not producing and bringing you to an ultimate end of experiencing God's fullness, resist it. Don't accept it. God's okay with us being the boss at work. Unless your boss is sitting on the other side of church. Maybe the assistant or something, I don't know. But you know what I mean? God would like to promote people. God would like people to move up. God would, would, is not opposed to people being the owners of their own business. He's not opposed to blessing, his blessing being upon and experience. He came that they might have this. But not just in those areas, but all areas. So when we understand God has a good plan and the enemy has a bad plan, the fourth thing we need to know, do is this. So first, know the source. Know, number two, know that his ultimate goal, the enemy, is not for good. Know that the Lord has a plan for good. And the last thing is this. You need to stand against the enemy. Don't give in to the bad that comes. Do not. James 4, 7 says resist. It actually says submit to God. In other words, do what he wants. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What's awesome about those verses is I don't have to wait for God. I don't have to wait for the enemy to give up and leave. He said, you choose to submit. In other words, do what God's dealing with you about. Believe his word, and then he said, you resist him, and he would flee from you. But how many people have given more power to the devil? I think one of the plights and the bad things of our generation, one thing that's good and one thing that's bad, is we have movies and TV. It can be good, but it has been used for bad. So we're coming into the Halloween season, and so this will be the time that the new scary movies come out. And people will go watch scary movies 
to train them to be afraid of evil, to get scared, to experience some fear, to make them go, oh, did that make you afraid? It made me afraid. Oh, I went home and I was afraid. Every time I went by the hall, I ran through this dark room. I was checking under the bed. That is the enemy's way of training you to be afraid of him. If you find yourself in a situation and you're in a place like that, you're allowed to get up and leave. When I first got saved, I used to watch scary movies all the time. Not when I was saved, before. And I remember um, uh, my neighbor uh, was having a party, a real worldly one, and I had given my life to the Lord, and the girl I was dating had now given her life to the Lord. So we thought, okay, well, be nice. There's 100 people there. And they're just partying and going crazy and getting drunk. So they decided this was when the movie Faces of Death came out, the very first one. So, ooh, that was a long time ago. You say, I don't know what that is. You don't need to know. But it's clips of people actually dying. People parachuting and pull the parachute. No offense. And it didn't open and they just, he went parachuting yesterday. Let me tell you, too bad it wasn't tomorrow you were going. And so... Um, pulls the parachute, and the parachute doesn't open, and wham, hits the ground. And I mean, and it's one thing after the other. And we're sitting there, and before, we would have been watching this going, yeah, this is cool, this is cool. Something in me was going, yuck, this ain't right. And we looked at each other, and we just thought, okay, enough of this. After about 10 minutes, I said, just one more clip. No, I was disgusted. Well, I guess I didn't learn well, so we decided we're going to go to a movie, you know, a week or two later, and we went into this one, uh, and it was a horror movie we were used to watching. We just hadn't been watching them now that we were saved. I wasn't really thinking. I was just kind of oblivious. I remember going into the movie, sitting down, you know, and uh, it starts, and here I'm sensing a call to ministry. This is about a priest that turns into this murderer and whatever, and and it starts off, you know, and it's got the music, you know, the music. And I'm like, whoa. And, but it wasn't that, like, before where I was just entertained. Something in me started getting grossed out way deep down inside. You know, I had the life of God in me. And it wasn't agreeing with this. And I remember I'd look at her and she's looking at the screen. Then I'd look at the screen, didn't know she'd turn and look at me. And I'd turn and look at her, and she'd be back at the screen. When she'd look at me, I was looking at the screen. Finally, we turned and made eye contact after a few minutes and went, ugh. I remember leaving, getting in the car, driving up the street. I still remember because it was a movie place we didn't always go to because uh, it was a little further away. And I still remember driving up the street and, and me telling her, I got to pray. And she's like, I got to pray too. And we just prayed. And it seemed like 15, 20 minutes later, it was like all that junk was gone. But the issue was this. What if I had just fed myself and learned how to be afraid? God didn't want me to be afraid. He didn't want me to yield. You with me? And there's just some things we don't need to hear because they don't help us in our walk. And fear is something you don't need to accept nor find pleasure in being afraid. And, and I'll tell you what, the, the world will train you to tell you, they'll tell you first God doesn't exist and, if, and then they'll tell you the devil's huge. Well, that makes no sense. 
You, you with me? And so we need to know, we need to know God's will. The Bible said, David said this in the Old Testament, Psalm 119.11, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to get familiar with his word so we can recognize that's not God. That's not God. That's, that's not his way. His is for the best. This is the way I'm going to go. And here's the last thing. Let's turn to Galatians, and we'll close right here. But you need to make a stand against wrong things in your life. Refuse them. And recognize sometimes well-meaning people are going to say some stuff that may try to draw you the wrong direction. Good people. Peter did it with Jesus one time. Said, not so, Lord. I'm not going to let you go to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. So don't call people Satan. You know, speak of the devil. Here, oh, oh, speak of the devil. No, they're not the devil. The devil is the devil, and he is a thief. And we need to understand the source. But know this here in Galatians, the sixth chapter. This is kind of one of those things we need to remember as Christians probably not a bad thing to hear again and again because you will face things but if you'll serve him good can come in your life if you'll stick with it galatians 6 9 if you're not familiar with this and you're allowed to write in your bible you should mark this and let us not grow weary while doing good let us not grow weary while doing good. Notice he didn't say you guys, he said us. That tells me that everybody will have an opportunity at some time as a Christian to get weary. And so, if he said let us not grow weary while doing good, he said you could actually be doing good and be tempted or have the opportunity to get weary. Do you notice that? He said, let us, including himself, every believer, let us not grow weary while doing good. While doing good. Here's an interesting point about this. Notice who he's talking to. Us or you so growing weary or not and giving up is actually a personal choice. Notice he said it's a personal choice. So I can't look at God and I can't look at the devil. I have to look at myself. Now I may need to resist the enemy... But I know God's on my behalf, but he said, you don't. So it's a choice you get to make. Somebody said, well, you never whatever, because you're special. No, we all got the same choice. You know, because some people say, well, they never have come to this place. No, everybody has. And if you have not, you haven't gone far yet. The day will come where you will be tempted to grow weary and say enough is enough. Jesus had to come to that day because the Bible said he was tempted that, like us. So, but he said don't. 
So think about it. It's your choice. That means I don't have to. I can make it through. That's good to know. I said, that's good to know. Because then there's no excuses. That's one thing society's offering a lot of right now is one-size-fits-all excuses. And if we would get rid of excuses and recognize things like this, he said, let us not grow. So when you start recognizing yourself getting weary, don't entertain it and allow yourself to grow. To grow weary while doing good, and here's why you should not. But I'm glad the Lord put this in there. For in due season or at the right time, you shall reap. In other words, what he's saying is these right actions in time will pay off if you do not quit. Because he said if you will stay with it while you're doing good, and you will persist and make a choice, just stay with it, Stay with it, he said, in due season. So in other words, a season is a time, you know, we know Ecclesiastes said there's a time to plant. There's a time to water what's planted. There's a time to reap what has been planted. Here he said, if you'll just stay with it and make the choice to not quit and keep doing good, there will be a payday but it takes a personal choice to stay with doing good and stay with it. He said, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season. In other words, what you're planting in action will eventually pay off in your life. He who sows mercy will eventually get mercy. He who sows good will eventually get good. He who sows good will eventually start reaping good. Just stay with it. Make the choice because the opportunity will come and present itself in a real way to make you want to quit. But you can choose to not grow weary while doing good for in due season. There's always a due season when you're doing good because you are planting, planting, planting and watering and planting and watering and planting and watering watering and planting and watering. That's what you are doing. That's why he said, stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Why? I just want to quit. No. He said, you shall reap. What? Good. If you do not lose heart. In other words, faint in your own mind. In other words, that's where the battle is. That's why you resist thoughts, because they turn into attitudes. Because you want to stay with it while you're doing good, because it may not look you like you've got a Friday payday yet. But how many of you know if you work, and you work for somebody crooked, you still depend on that payday? And you expect it. You wouldn't stay with it if you didn't get it. Hey, if we do this like he said, there will be a payday. It may not be on Friday, but it will be in the due season. 
and it will be good according to the good you are planting by acting and obeying. So he said, do not lose heart. This will happen to you, period. So now if you're tempted, this is not the time to quit. Choose right about the time you get a harvest. That's when you should make a decision. Because you'll go, this is so good, I don't want to quit. So don't ever quit in the bad time. Don't ever quit when you're under pressure. Then when you're in the good time, you're not even going to think about quitting. It's just good maybe to get that out of our mentality, right? Because there's paydays that the Lord would like you to get.